Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. And on today's episode, we're talking about how to integrate technology with running, with runners. So if you are a runner or if you are a healthcare practitioner that treats runners, this is a great episode because we have Dr. Chris Napier on the program as my guest. He is a sports physiotherapist with a PhD in running biomechanics and injury prevention. He has an appointment as clinical assistant professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at the University of British Columbia. In addition to working on research projects, Chris continues to be a practicing physiotherapist with Restore Physiotherapy and Athletics Canada. He has competed at the national level as a successful middle distance runner, earning medals at the Canadian Track and Field Championships in 1996 and 1997. He is also an accomplished marathon runner with a personal best time of 2 hours and 33 minutes. In addition to all of that, he is the author of the new book, Science of Running, Analyze Your Technique, Prevent Injury, Revolutionize Your Training. The book comes out on February 4th, so if you're listening to the podcast today on February 3rd, you can uh, go on and pre-order the book, or you can wait till tomorrow and go on and order it. If you head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, which is the Uh, website for the podcast here. In the show notes, one click will take you straight to the book so you can buy the book and you can start learning more about the science of running. So in this episode, what do we talk about? Like I said, we're talking about technology. So we're talking about how to bring a wearable to market for running, retraining, and injury risk reduction. What to look for when investing in wearable technology because there's a lot of stuff out there, some good, some not so good the importance of translating the research to both the clinician and athlete, and the science of running, analyze your technique, prevent injury, revolutionize your training, which, as I said, is Chris's new book. Now, Chris and I recorded this a few weeks ago live on Facebook, so there's not going to be any editing in here because we want to keep that kind of live feel uh, for you all, but if you want to watch the video, you can head over to my Facebook page, uh, Dr. Karen Litzy, PTDPT, and you can watch the video, Chris, kind of holds up some examples of some uh, technology, some insoles you can put into your shoes to track some parameters around your running. So a huge thanks to Chris Napier. And uh, don't forget to buy his book, especially if you're a runner or you work with runners. So thanks again to Chris and everybody. uh, Have a great week. So I'm sitting here with Dr. Chris Napier. He is an expert. He is a and a, a new author will be talking about his book, The Science of Running, in uh, just a little bit. But Chris, just to kind of allow people to get to know you a little bit more, why don't you kind of give the listeners and the viewers here a little bit more about you? Sure. Um, well, thanks again for having me on, Karen. Um, I feel like I've really made it big time now on the, the Karen Litzy podcast. Okay. This is <laughs> huge. So uh, thanks again for having me on. Um, so I'm a, a sport physiotherapist. I've been practicing for uh, almost 20 years now, uh, and I've, I've worked with a range of sports, um, but I sort of ended up coming back to the, the sport I'm most passionate about, the one I love, uh, which is running. Um, about 
10 years ago, I started really focusing more on, on running. And it was basically because uh, I'm a runner myself. I um, so sort of, uh, out in the community running with, uh, with um, the various sort of uh, recreational races, um, training with different clubs and that sort of thing, um, and talking to people who are running all the time. So it really sort of just made sense for me to kind of work a bit more clinically in that field. And, and uh, at the same time, I was getting uh, interested in, in pursuing more research. And so I started my PhD uh, in about 2012, 2013. And um, I focused on running and I was really interested in um, being able to quantify aspects of running in terms of uh, running form and, and biomechanics. Um, so my PhD was on running biomechanics and um, uh, sort of clinical interventions using gait retraining um, to uh, prevent injury. Um, and so I finished that in 2018 uh, and I've moved now more out of the lab, uh, so to speak, out of the biomechanics lab, um, but still interested very much in uh, the mechanics of how we run. And uh, I'm now working with um, a group of engineers at Simon Fraser University uh, doing my postdoctoral fellowship there, uh, where they actually develop uh, wearable technology. And so we're doing some really cool stuff there um, in terms of uh, actually developing um, potentially uh, products that will be available to clinicians and to runners uh, to, to measure their gait. Very cool. And I will also add that you were sort of at the helm of the third annual World Conference of Sport Physiotherapy in Vancouver this year. It was an amazing event. You and the team, uh, you guys did such an amazing job. And, and I'm sure that's the feedback that you have probably got from the conference from the people who attended. So I just wanted to give you guys um, some more accolades and a nice shout out because it was a really, really well run conference with some great info. So I appreciate that. And yeah, that, that is the feedback we've had, which was fantastic to hear uh, from across the board. And and I'm really looking forward to our continued um, Sport Physiotherapy Canada conferences, which will be a, a, a biannual event, um, and as well the, uh, the next World Congress, which will be excellent, I'm sure, um, as it's being hosted in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. And that's in 2021. So that'll be a good time. Yeah. And again, if you're watching live, I know I saw a couple of viewers uh, watching live. Um, at the end of this, hopefully, um, we're going to uh, give away Chris's book. It doesn't come out till February 4th, but if you write your name or a comment or where you're watching from in the comment section, you're automatically in the running for a free copy of The Science of Running by Chris Napier, which is very exciting. Um, so Chris, let's talk about wearables. So when I think of wearables, to me it makes me think of like a Fitbit or um, maybe uh, an Apple Watch or something like that. So in your introduction, you'd said that you're working with a lab at uh, through your post, uh, postdoc. So is when you say wearables, is that what you mean or are you talking about something else? Yeah, so I mean, a wearable is really a broad category, um, and uh, you know, for anyone who follows the um, the Consumer Electronics Show, which was just recently uh, in Las Vegas, um, you know that I think that area is is huge right now um, 
across the board. And, and it's, we think of it very much in, in the health uh, lens, um, but really a wearable is anything you can wear on your body that tracks something, um, whether it's, you know, your heart rate or your breathing rate or your pulse or your, or sorry, your blood pressure or skin temperature or um, joint angles, impact forces. I mean, it, it goes on and on really anything we can measure through something we can wear. So, um, you know, by nature, it's something that's portable. Um, often they'll connect with some sort of uh, app, uh, either on a, a Bluetooth device um, or will sort of record onto the actual um, hardware itself for download later. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that's the other side of it is, you know, beyond the wearable, the actual interpretation of the data and the um, visualization of that and that sort of thing, that's a whole other field as well. Um, but the lab I'm in is looking at um, wearables that can measure health-related um, metrics. And so some of the projects we have going on there um, are looking at recovery from stroke um, or uh, looking at, um, uh, you know, mo fine motor function, that sort of thing. Uh, and my area specifically is looking at uh, application to running. And so when... You know, I think about application to running and you think about, you know, perhaps using a wearable to enhance someone's running, whether it be their running gait, their endurance, their uh, their times. And uh, what I think of right off the bat is a running analysis where you've got someone on a treadmill and you've got multiple cameras and they've got dots all over them and all their joints, which is not something that every clinic has the ability to do because those setups can be quite expensive. So what are you doing in, within your research that might be a little different and offer clinicians something that might be more practical? Yeah, so what you described there, uh, that sort of motion capture, 3D motion capture analysis, um, which is uh, sometimes done on an instrumented treadmill, which will give you uh, force information as well as the uh, joint position um, movements. But um, that, that, that was my PhD. So that's what I did. I looked at um, basically a, a snapshot of people running um, and then assumed that that's how they ran when they left the lab. Uh, which is a big assumption, right? Yeah. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're trying to um, get those same measurements, uh, but uh, in something that can be worn outside of the lab and uh, in the natural environment, um, which gives us, uh, it opens a whole other world to what we can measure. Um, we can measure things um, where, you know, rather than on a treadmill, which might be unnatural for a lot of people, we can measure them running on the road or through trails or uphill or downhill. Um, we can measure how uh, their mechanics change throughout the course of a run, um, you know, so we can see what happens when they start to get fatigued. We can measure it in a race situation, um, you know, when, when people perhaps run differently because they're pushing themselves to their, their uh, limits. Um, and we can also measure over time, over uh, weeks or training blocks, so we can see what happens to people's mechanics um, as a more chronic uh, sort of fatigue sets in. So there's a lot of stuff there that we can study. Um, and uh, in in our lab, um, we have uh, sort of the ability to embed some of these wearables uh, into garments. And so essentially we're developing smart garments. 
Uh, and we published a recent paper uh, looking at um, using a, a set of running sites uh, to measure hip, knee, and ankle kinematics um, during running. And, uh, and we, we developed this, and, and I think it, compared to the, the gold standard, which is still the 3D motion capture in, in the lab, um, these sites do very well at measuring that movement. Um, which is exciting because then, you know, we can start to uh, produce these and, and runners um, can start collecting data uh, wherever they run. Yeah, which obviously seems a little bit more practical than, like you said, just being on a treadmill. We know running on a treadmill is definitely different than running on the road or the track or real life situations. And is that something that a, let's say your average physical therapist practicing PT like myself, if someone comes to me with a running related injury and I mean, I don't have access to a 3D running analysis. Is this something that I would be able to uh, say to this potential patient, hey, listen, I have uh, some wearable technology that you can use that might give us a better picture as to what's happen, happening when you're running. Yeah, I mean, we're not there yet, but that's certainly where we're going. Um, okay. So, you know, I guess uh, potentially we could we could put this pair of tights on a runner and we could track their um, hip, knee and ankle kinematics um, while they run either on the treadmill in the clinic or we could okay. send them outside and have them go for a run and come back. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, or you know these could be something that the the clinic can um, loan out or rent out, and uh, maybe patients keep them for a week, so you can track their their running mechanics over you know the course of a week, and then um, that could potentially be uploaded to a cloud or or um, brought back to the clinic and, and downloaded, so that you can look at their data over time. Um, and what we're using are um, our strain sensors to be able to measure kinematics. And what does that mean? What's a strain sensor? Well, essentially, these are um, thread-like sensors that um, the the amount of strain produced um, can give us uh, an idea of how much movement is occurring. Okay, and, so and that's sort of sewn into the fabric of exactly. the garment. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And we've done, you know, the a lot of the research we do is is looking at where we need to place these and um, how many sensors we need and that sort of thing. Uh, and so that that was the the big work sort of involved in developing these tights is to figure out how many you know can we get away with just having three or four uh sensors um which uh reduces the um you know the the cost of energy and and uh and also the the, the amount of processing involved mm. um and where can we put those to to optimize um you know the the metrics we're looking at, but you can also then add um, inertial measurement units or IMUs, which have accelerometers and gyroscopes in them, which can then add a whole other layer. So we can look at um, you know impact, um, we can look at angular velocity and things like that. Um, so you know we're we're looking at integrating those things right now as well. And all of that can be sewn into the fabric of a pair of tights. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about pretty small. Um, Tiny. All things here, yeah. That's wild. And yeah. so, you know, you you did a study kind of taking these tights and looking at, well, how many sensors do we need and where do they need to be placed? And um, was this sort of a preliminary study? Because I, I can understand the need for knowing how many sensors you need and where to place them, and then kind of recruiting a larger amount of runners to kind of study to see, 
does this do what it says it's going to do? Yeah. And in a nutshell, right? Yeah, exactly. So right now, uh, just so that the, the viewers and so that I myself get a better idea. So right now you're sort of in that developmental stage where you're looking at where to place them and how many and do they work? Yeah, that we've done that. So basically this study right. um, was that. So we, we, we we're happy with where they are and the number um, for what we want to measure. Uh, and so now what we're doing is, um, can we, can we use these, um, to, uh, give us information about, um, you know, the fatigue state that runners are in. Um, so, you know, when we're getting into machine learning and that sort of thing as well with this. So, um, you know, can we, can we classify a runner as being fatigued or not, for instance, based on the information we're getting from these tights, um, or, you know, and then as I said before, like, can we get these out now and actually get people using them so we can start collecting large data sets? Right. Because, right. Um, you know, that's where it gets interesting. Can we um, get these out to hundreds and thousands of people to be able to start collecting data on those numbers um, and really start to refine the technology and perhaps see some interesting patterns? Um, and, you know, there's, there's some of the studies coming out of, um, Reed Ferber's lab in Calgary um, have been doing that. Uh, they use the uh, the now defunct um, Lumo uh, device, which was uh, an IMU situated on the on the waist, um, and they've done some really interesting work um, with uh, like Christian Claremont leading that um, uh, and Lauren Benson looking at sort of classifying um situations uh or types of runners based on the data they've gotten from those mm -hmm. devices mm -hmm. so we'd be looking at maybe doing some similar work um with our with our device yeah i mean very cool and and i guess the next question is is why should we care so as physical therapists or even as runners like yes this technology is cool it tells it it has the potential to give us a lot of data and a lot of information, but why do we care about that? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I think first of all, we have to figure out, is this going to give us information um, that is, uh, I, I think we can be happy that it would be reliable, but um, really we're looking at the validity of it, right? Are, are we um, getting information where we're going to see patterns that lead to injury? Um, and that's, again, that's kind of where we're going with this. Um, but uh, at this point, we can't say that. That's where we need those large numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and and hopefully, I think that's what we will find is that we can kind of see trends. I mean, there may be a time where, you know, these are sold in, in running stores and people just wear them. And then, you know, they get injured and they come in and say, hey, yeah, here's my data. Um, check it out and, you know, see if you can figure out why I got injured. Um, you know, maybe we'll get to that point. Um, but uh, I think for now, it offers uh, the clinician a chance to be able to uh, analyze someone's running gait. Um, so you get that kind of objective information. Um, and then maybe they can use that um, over sort of repeated visits um, if they're looking at trying to retrain uh, someone's gait or if they're looking for, um, you know, some some changes uh, due to the intervention that they're they're applying, whether it's uh, strengthening or gate retraining or something mm -hmm. else. 
Um, so I think that it gives us another tool really to, to measure uh, something dynamically that, you know, until now we could only really do uh, in a specialized biomechanics lab, which as you said, is, is very expensive and time consuming and, and really maybe only giving us um, a snapshot in the end. Right, right. Versus uh, being able to see the bigger picture of a runner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, very yeah. cool. And also, you know, maybe uh, some of the, the work I'm doing is looking at monitoring training load. And, um, you know, if you're kind of familiar with the training load research, um, there's this sort of concept of internal and external load. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, the external load might be the number of kilometers or miles that you run in a week or the, the number of minutes that you run in a week. Uh, and the internal load would be some sort of um, uh, intensity measure or rating perceived exertion. Um, and so, you know, my interest is, can we get uh, a bit more specific perhaps about that external load? Um, so we're not just looking at minutes or miles, but we're looking at, um, you know, cumulative uh, impact. Uh, and um, they've actually got a paper in review right now where we looked at um, that using the RunScribe sensors, which are little um, pods that you put on your laces on your shoes. Uh -huh. And they can measure... Um, uh, shock, which is sort of a resultant uh, impact force, resultant acceleration when you hit the ground. And we looked at uh, whether um, there's a difference between looking at just uh, cumulative minutes in a run versus um, number of steps versus cumulative shock. Um, and we found differences. And and uh, and with the cumulative shock, um, we're we're going into now a, a, a deeper analysis on that where we're looking for are there changes depending on the type of um, run that the person did. So is it a more specific measure um, when someone is changing the terrain that they're running on or changing their intensity on a regular basis? Um, if someone goes and runs the same route every day at the same pace, then we're probably not going to get more information by measuring that uh, cumulative shock. But if they're uh, running in trails one day and roads the next day and then they're doing interval workout or then they're doing a long run, um, we might get more information out of cumulative shock um, or some similar measure as opposed to just the uh, the minutes or miles that they run. Right. Yeah. So just adding another uh, element to, again, the overall picture of that runner. So yeah. like, for example, like you said, you could have someone who says, oh, I ran, I run 10 miles. I'm just making this up 10 miles every week. And I haven't changed how many miles I run, but yet they're coming to see you for telephemoral pain, or maybe they're coming to see you with um, anterior shin pain. But what you're not getting is, well, I run the same amount, but this time I did it on a trail, and this time I did it on concrete, and this was on um, a, a rubberized track or something like that. So I would assume that with that shock, you would be able to kind of see the difference. And then as a therapist, say, hey, listen, I don't want you to stop running, but maybe let's stop doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, exactly. Therapy. It allows us not only to look at what has happened, but also to prescribe in the future, right? So right. potentially we can then say, okay, we need to keep that cumulative shock below a certain level or, or you know, increase it gradually. Um, and so if that's something that they can monitor on their own outside the clinic, great. Uh, and I've done that a little bit with some people, uh, just more experimentally at the moment. But um, but I've had people who are really interested in sort of tracking that 
um, they've done that and, uh, and it's actually been quite successful so far. Yeah, no, it sounds very reasonable to me yeah. as the therapist and certainly um, as I would think for the runner, because you know, oftentimes when runners get injured and first off they're told to not run, that doesn't go over very well. No. <laughs> because no, I, and, runners want to run. And it's exactly. also not just the running, but it's part of stress relief. It's it's part of what makes them happy. And so to be able to say, hey, listen, we've, we're, we're collecting all this data on you, and this is what we found. This is what you can do. I feel like it gives control back to the patient or to the runner so that yeah. they're not spinning, right? Yeah. There was a great paper just published last month um, that essentially looked at what do runners do when they can't run, right? So if they're injured and they can't run, what do they do? And the answer yeah. was nothing. Oh, no. They don't do other activities. They just, because they, they just want to run. And they that sort of, I think, validated most runners' feelings. Um, you know, <laughs> we talk about cross-training and, you know, go get on the bike or go uh, pool run or swim. But, I mean, the greatest thing about running is you can put on some running shoes and head out the door and, and you can fit it in anywhere, anytime. Sort right. of thing. So um, I, it becomes much harder to fit in that exercise when you have to go to a pool or go to a gym yeah. to get it done, right? Yeah. Oh, no question. No question. And then I, I would think it must be even harder for some, not all, but some runners to get back to running after an yeah. injury you know there's fear involved there they don't want to get injured again they may sort of taper back to the point where maybe now they're not even happy with their running yep yeah and so often you know we prescribe like a walk run program to get someone back in because it's sort of graduated impacts right um, yeah so again looking at that cumulative shock is what we're trying to do there is is gradually ease someone back in um to doing that, um, even if they've kept the fitness, um, even if they have been on the bike or something like that, um, when you get back after a prolonged period off of running, it, it still, it can hurt, right? Because of the impacts that you don't get in other activities. And so again, that's where if we can measure that and monitor it, I think that's a, a big advantage. Absolutely. Now, before we get to the book, which I want to get to in a second, um, is there any, are there any other cool tech things when it comes to runners that maybe you have worked with or that you've seen maybe not you know that's that it's in your in the lab that you're in but that might be coming down the pipeline that uh we can as runners or as healthcare providers we can kind of get excited about yeah i mean i think um and the answer might be a lot but you can just pick yeah I, I would say a lot of the kind of more research grade um <laughs> Or maybe not a lot, but some of the more research grade companies um, are starting to shift, I think, a bit more to uh, clinician or consumer level products. Um, and one reason for that is the, the the hardware is just getting cheaper. So it's, it's possible. Um, and then also, I think, um, you know, the, the ability to fit these into um, or, or or integrate these into apps um, where you have the, the visualization side and, and you can mm -hmm. actually get um, easy interpretation of the data. I think that's also, um, you know, we're going to start to see more and more of these uh, devices um, available in clinical settings and consumer settings. And, 
Um, I think one one that comes to mind is uh, I measure you is um, is uh, basically a, an IMU uh, inertial measurement unit um, that uh, now owned by Vicon, but uh, you know they're starting to um, I think offer products that are a bit more clinician friendly um, where you can get real time feedback. You can strap these on uh, someone's uh, tibia and, and have them run in the clinic and, and get some real time feedback and visualize it and, and give um, uh, feedback if they're reaching certain thresholds. So if you're trying to keep them, if you're trying to get them to run softly, for instance, you can get them to um, run and this will give you feedback when they're uh, going over the, a certain threshold. Um, Another uh, Vancouver-based company that I'm uh, doing some research with uh, is called Plantiga. This is actually their product here. It's just uh, an insole. So you can just um, pop this into your, your shoe, uh, replace the insole in your shoe. And in the bottom of it, I don't know if you can see here, but there's um, yeah. this an IMU here. Uh, so it's very thin. Obviously, it fits right into the insole, and you don't really feel it when you're in there. Um, but it's a very... Um, strong piece of hardware and, and you can pop that in your shoe. And the nice thing about that is it's actually measuring that, um, it, measuring accelerations, it's got an accelerometer, but it's measuring that uh, impact at that point where it's hitting your body. So it's right underneath your, your heel, um, you know, and so we're doing some interesting work where we're looking at uh, different footwear and um, how that uh, changes the, the impact um, at that point, because to date, a lot of the uh, the research is using ground reaction forces, which are measured underneath the, the shoe, right? That's the right. shoe ground interaction. Um, or they're using tibial accelerometers, um, which are, you know, measuring that force once it's gone through the foot and the ankle complex and, and is reaching the tibia. So, right. so some uh, of those forces have already been already dissipated, so, right? Right, through the ankle or through the shoe. Exactly. Through the yeah. Of the shoe. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a, a cool tool, and I think um, they're really keen to uh, start using this. Um, they're, they're targeting clinicians because I think this is an easy one that, um, you know, and I'm using it in the clinic right now where people come in, and when they, we, we do the gait analysis, I just slip these into their shoes, and it just gives us that much more information. Um, it's uh, It visualizes asymmetries really nicely as well, and, and they're also looking at uh, beyond running. They're looking at, um, you know, use in <coughs> ACL rehab and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, as well and are there anything any things you can think of that let's say your average physical therapist needs to watch out for right so you have a lot of because i know you had mentioned more research-based consumer products i'm assuming that there are products out there that might not be the best yeah so, so I, you are know, there I things that we as consumers you know, without naming names, obviously, but things that we can look at when we're looking at a company that's selling one of these like wearables and, and what their claims are. Yeah. So I think, um, first of all, the hardware has to be good. Um, and when I say that, I mean, um, you need to have a high enough sampling rate to uh, be able to measure what you want to measure. Um, so, you know, um, if you have a uh, an accelerometer that's uh, sampling at 60 hertz, for instance, um, you're, if you're trying to capture that, and you're going to miss um, peaks of data um, and steps, and, and so it's just not going to be um, something that's reliable. Okay. Uh, you, you know, and if you're measuring it at uh, up at the waist, perhaps, then it's okay because we don't need um, 
high uh, as high frequencies at the the waist. Um, so you know, for that we need to have you need to have a product that can sample at a high enough rate. And there's papers out there that have looked at that. You know, um, for for kinetic and kinematic information, the sort of minimum requirement you would need. And uh, what would that be? Do you know off the top? Well, of your so typically for kinetic information, it's about uh, you need like 500 hertz. For okay. kinematic, it would be more like 200 hertz. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for the kinetics, it's going to depend on the placement for sure. Um, but uh, but typically, you want to aim for something that's about 500 hertz, okay. which you know a lot of uh, consumer level products wouldn't have that high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also something like the dynamic range would be important, uh, and that's just essentially how many G's they can measure. Um, and so if you're using a uh, something that only measures up to 10 G. Um, then when you, uh, put that on your shoe and you're trying to, and, and there's, uh, impacts that are up around, uh, 20 G, then you're really not going to be capturing that obviously. Right. So it's missing that information again. So that, I mean, that's, uh, something to be wary of. Um, the other side of it outside of the hardware would be looking at, um, the output you get. And so some of these, um outputs you get are are very general um you know typically you'll have like uh you know i i put on my my garmin watch and go for a run and um at the end of it 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 tells me uh i need to rest for you know 36 hours before my next effort or something like that and you know i i never really sort of regard that it doesn't really uh it doesn't make sense i can i can interpret that much better myself um than relying on my watch um, it also spits out a bunch of other metrics. Um, you know, some of them might be useful. Others, um, I, I would just sort of disregard. And I think that's where, you know, probably uh, clinical decision making comes into it, um, and having a knowledge of the the activity and the and the person in front of you. Um, right. Don't be overly reliant on um, just sort of the, what the the metric is um, outputting to you. So if if you have, let's say, a certain wearable on, and the it gives you, I'm again making something up, like ten different kinds of outputs. I don't even know if that's possible, but you want to kind of take. Is it sort of like you're taking what you need as it relates to what the patient's going through? Well, or are you buying something that says, oh, it, it can give me all this information, so I'm just going to use all of it? So, I mean, someone like me, I like raw data because I can play around with it and I can plug it into things. I can graph it and I can do whatever I want. And it's that raw data is, you know, the highest frequency and and um, so the best data I can get. So that's what I want. Um, but most clinicians don't want that because they won't know what to do with that data. Right. So it's got to be processed somehow. Um, and so that processing, um, you can lose data and you can you can lose focus and you can um, have misinterpretation along the way. And so um, it can be something is, uh, it can be processed down to the point of where um, something might give you uh, an efficiency score, right? Um, Which is, you know, unitless and and essentially meaningless where it says, you know, your, your efficiency on that run was um, good average or bad. Mm, yeah. You know? I mean, that's something completely processed down to the end where it gives you this kind of, you know, uh, three categories. 
I mean, what does that really tell you? Probably not much, right? Um, or it could be somewhere in between. And so I think that's, that's the hardest part here. And, um, you know, what would be appropriate for a clinician isn't necessarily going to be appropriate for a consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, um, again, we're going to start to see, uh, products that are aimed more at clinicians, uh, and aimed more at consumers, um, as the hardware gets cheaper and, and, uh, more widely available. And, um, and people are going to kind of sort through and, and find things that uh, work for them. Right. Yeah. So I guess it's when it comes to the output, it's kind of like food. You don't want things to be overly processed. Yeah, exactly. Because right? yeah. then it's just not good for you. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, now let's get to the book. So I'm just going to read. So the book, again, for people watching, the book is called The Science of Running. And it will be available on February 4th, but you can go to anywhere books are sold, Amazon or what have you, um, and you can pre-order. But I'm just going to read a a quick um, description. I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read a quick description. Um, Signs of Running goes further than any other running book to interrogate the anatomy and physiology of the runner, showing how running involves and affects every system of the body, including the effect of oxygen on the muscles. The book breaks down the runner's stride scientifically, showing what's going on under the skin at every stage of the running cycle, highlighting common injury risks based on a runner's natural gait and showing how to correct them, takes a head-to-toe approach to 30 key exercises for runners, annotating the muscles, ligaments, and joints involved, and showing how to per- how to perfect precision in those exercises to optimize their benefits. Sounds great. How long does it take you to write this book? Because when you read, uh, I could have used more like, time. Oh, that's a throwaway. He probably did that in a weekend. But I mean, this is this is a very involved book. It's not like just a a pamphlet. No, no. It it uh, it was um, it was a lot of work. I won't deny that. Um, and it was a really interesting process for me. Um, essentially, it's like what we just talked about about um, sort of boiling down that kind of raw data or the raw science um, and being able to filter down to a level that's um, interpretable by kind of the general public or the, you know, the average runner, because essentially what this is, it's, it's a handbook for runners about their bodies. Right. And um, so this is for the average person runner hmm. and for the clinician, right? So yeah. it's not like overly, overly technical, but no. rather technically simplified. Exactly. I mean, it's not simple. Uh, there's a no, lot of information in there, right? And um, and we've done our best, at, uh, you know, with the the artwork and that sort of thing to to be able to explain um, the 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 science behind all of this. Um, but it's uh, there's a lot of information in there. It, I mean, it's not a it's not a textbook um, and it's not an academic uh, book, but it's right. it's very much for for runners and, and clinicians, I think um to to have on hand um you know whether it's uh in, in in a clinical context if you want to be able to explain you know an injury to a runner or um you know explain what uh what you mean by you know what what's happening during their running stride um there's a lot of um you know artwork and and um and chunks of text in there that can kind of help to explain that. And for the average runner, I think it's sort of something that they can keep on hand um, and use, uh, you know, if they're training for a race or just in general. 
um, or or something to kind of you know refer back to and over, over and over again. And there's also a whole chapter um, full of training plans. Um, oh, nice. That, uh, was was uh, co-written by by my coach um, Jerry Ziak, um, and uh, again, that's a very comprehensive chapter there. Fabulous. And so, so I'm going to say this again. So for the people that are watching. Um, if you leave a comment or a reaction, you're automatically in the running to win a copy of this book. Um, so please, you know, give a thumbs up or a heart or throw in and whatever, uh, like where you're where you're watching from or listening in from, um, because uh, we'll pick a winner and, and I'll contact you uh, when we're done with the with the um, the interview and everything. But um, so. When we, when you talk about a book like this, um, is there ever sort of misinterpretation of, by someone to say, oh, it's a book on how not to get injured when you run? How, this is a book on preventing injuries. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, for anyone familiar with the uh, the research on running injuries, that's a, that's a pretty murky field at best anyway. Um, I think what I tried to do in this book was um, present what, what the research does tell us um, and kind of um, show, you know, let's take foot strike, for instance, because um, everyone knows about, you know, foot strike pattern. And, um, you know, we talked about, okay, well, what happens when you rear foot strike? What happens when you forefoot strike? Um, and rather than taking the approach that uh, one is inherently bad and will give you an injury um we talk about you know how they affect your your stride and and where those forces go and that sort of thing um to be able to educate the runner on on that rather than um talk about you know this particular way of running will prevent injury um there's also a, a large section um where we've got about 30 different strengthening exercises in the book where you can um you know go through and again it's all uh visualized with with um, artwork showing different stages of the exercises um, on on specific running strengthening exercises that you can do um, in the gym or at home. Awesome. Well, it sounds like it, it's a great resource for clinicians and the runner alike. And and um, are you gonna after doing this and and this was I'm sure an arduous task that took quite a while. Um, are you going to write a follow up? Is it already in the works, or are you like, oh my god, just publish this book? <laughs> I haven't really even opened this book yet. Since I got it, I got it about three weeks ago, and I, I don't think I, I might have just opened it once to kind of flip through very briefly. Yeah. Um, so I, at this point, I'm I'm ready just to kind of keep it on the shelf and uh, and see what happens. But um, no, nothing in the works right now. Um, I think uh, I, you know I'm, I'm focusing on some other things right now, and and uh, if that opportunity comes up you know, down the line, then, then perhaps, uh, I'll look at that then. But, um, this was a very interesting, uh, process to go through. Um, I have no regrets. I think it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to, to see, you know, a book awesome. on it. Um, but, uh, I, I think I'll take a little break, uh, for a while now for, I get it. Books. Yeah. What was, for you as, as now an author, what was the best part, uh, of writing this book for you? might have been like as a person as a clinician as a researcher what was like the big positive for you well you know in in research um we're uh we're always talking about knowledge translation right you have to kind of 
get that that research to the end user um, and how you do that. Um, it's often very difficult for a researcher. This this gave me a lot of tools. Um, I think in in my own field of how to get that search um, the end user, whether it's a clinician or or a runner themselves. So that's been really useful. Um, also, uh, I think working in the clinic, um, it made me really think about you know what are the exercises I think are most valuable, or what what is the most um, useful thing that a clinician would would get out of this book. Um, you know, I'm often sort of pulling out a, a a textbook to try and explain something to um, uh, a patient who's in the clinic because they've got an injury and I'm talking about too much too soon or something like that. And I want a graphic where I can say, look, this is why too much too soon is, is bad. Or this is why, you know, running the way you're running might've led to this injury. Um, and I'm often sort of ending up doing stick man drawings or something to try and illustrate that. Yeah, we all do that. <laughs> yeah, which, which is fine. Um, but um uh, you know, this this gives, certainly gives me a resource and hopefully others a resource um, in the clinic to be able to sort of say, here, like, this is what I'm talking about. And here's a nice sort of visualization and, and some kind of bullet points as to you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's great. So I feel like it to me, it sounds like it's made you maybe a little more present, a little more thoughtful um, about what you're doing with runners and why you're doing it. Yep. For sure. Which is great. And I'm assuming that's also the goal of the book is yeah. to have people be a little bit more present, understand their the way their body works. This is for the runner, the way their body works and why they're doing what they're doing. And for the clinician, maybe taking a larger analytical view in as to the person in front of them, the runner in front of them, and maybe why they're getting the injuries that they're getting and some options on how to rectify that situation. Yeah, I mean, I think runners um, runners are typically type A people, right? Yeah. And, and uh, they, you know, they get really um, into running <laughs> and they want to know more and they want to learn like, okay, what shoes should I have? And, and what's, you know, what's the best way to run and what's the best way to train? And, um, you know, so they're on Google and they're trying to get all this information. There's tons of conflicting information out there, um, even from, you know, some of the top sources right um yeah. might be sort of the top sources for that um so again hopefully this is something that kind of boils it down um you know, it's very evidence-based and uh and something that runners can can rely on as a, a resource for for all things running sounds great now listen before we wrap things up i have one last question it's one that i ask everyone and that's knowing where you are now in your life and in your career, what advice would you give to yourself as a new grad right out of physio school? So I would, um, right out of physio school, I think just get your hands dirty and see patients, try and get lots of different experiences. If you're interested in sports, volunteer with, with teams. Um, you know, don't, don't expect payment right away for those things. Get out and, and work with, people and, and put in the time uh, and, and you'll learn a lot and those will turn into opportunities in the future. Mm -hmm. I think um, uh, getting out and, and um, not saying no to things um, is a big play, big thing. And I think that's how I kind of got um, involved in, in, in uh, working with um, 
professional and and uh, and sort of national team athletics. Um, it's because basically one opportunity led to another, um, and I didn't say no along the way, and so it just you know um, one thing snowballed into the next thing. So I think um, you know that's uh, that's probably my advice: just get out, start getting your hands dirty, and um, get the practical experience, and don't say no. Awesome. Great advice. Now, where can people find you if they want to have, if they have questions, they have more, if they want to find more info about you and about the book, where can they find you? Probably the best place is on Twitter. Uh, I'm fairly active on Twitter and uh, they can find me at Runner Physio um, on Twitter and uh, they can contact me through that. Um, also, if uh, people have, you know, wanting to access uh, any of uh, my papers, that sort of thing, uh, they can reach me through my email address, uh, which is chris.napier at ubc.ca. Um, happy to send along papers or if you have any sort of specific questions, um, happy to, to answer them if I can. Awesome. And what we'll do is when this broadcast ends, I'll go back in and, and I'll put a link to your Twitter and to some of the papers that we spoke about today and a link to the book. So if people want to pre-order the book, go for it. Um, for all the people who are on and who, who uh, had some reactions or comments, um, I will pick a winner for someone to win Chris's book and you'll be hearing from me. I'll, I'll get in touch with you via Facebook. So Chris, thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, coming on to do a live. And then it'll be on the podcast as well, but to do a Facebook Live. So thank you. Well, thank you. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's been a good chat. And um, and thank you also uh, for all your work in the lead up to uh, the World Congress um, with all your Facebook Live interviews with uh, with a lot of our speakers because that yeah. uh, was, was really great to be part of that. Yeah, that was my pleasure. It was great. So I um, mean, everyone who's on and watching, thank you so much. And uh, have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.